Hey, 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 everybody. My name's Ryan Atkinson, and you are on the Business Cloud. We have a great conversation today coming up with Brett Dashevsky talking about all things creator economy, what's happening in the creator economy, trends in the creator economy, and how you can get started creating great content. He shares with us how he built and sold Healthcare Huddle, what great content looks like, why it's hard to monetize, but how you can monetize Mr. Beast, YouTube, and so much more. Let's dive in. podcast. Brett, thank you so much for being here. Excited to talk about your journey in content creation. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me, man. Uh, excited to be here and talk uh, talk creator economy stuff. Yes, I'm super excited. But we got before we dive into that, um, we got to give a little bit of background about like, who you sure. are. Uh, you grew the healthcare huddle uh, to 8K subscribers through organic growth only. And then you sold this newsletter to Workweek in November 2021. Can you share to us like how healthcare huddle got started and how it really grew? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you did you did some good research there on the number of subscribers that we we had when we sold. Thank you, LinkedIn. Thank you, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, LinkedIn. Appreciate you. So uh, yeah, so healthcare huddle started out um, as uh, an idea from my older brother Jared, who's now a creator at Workweek. He's he's the sole creator of healthcare huddle, and so the the idea when we were building it was to basically create the morning brew, but for healthcare which is kind of funny looking back now because Morning Brew just launched a healthcare brew, uh, which was pretty much on our minds the whole entire time. Like, oh my God, what if Morning Brew launches this, we're doomed or or perhaps they acquire us. But, you know, history shows uh, Workweek ended up uh, acquiring <laughs> us, which I think which bias, I think was a great move. Uh, I'm sure our, our co-founders would also agree. Uh, and so it, it started in December of 2019, um, my brother just started his first year in medical school, and he realized that uh, so many of his classmates, including himself, knew a lot about the biological systems, but not about the actual healthcare system, the very system that they were going to uh, work in. And so my brother came up with the idea that, well, maybe I can start informing my classmates on what's going on in the industry just through a newsletter. And so that idea actually came from something that we were working on like earlier in the year. We started a publication called Dash Forward, like just like shoot the shit. And like we were going to write about like innovation and technology and social media. My younger brother's really interested in music. He was going to write about music and stuff. Um, but this idea ultimately evolved and seemed more viable. It aligned with what Jared was doing in school. Uh, and I was entering like my senior year, my second semester of my senior year in college. And I was like, uh, you know, I want to help out with your social media growth. I want to, I, I see a lot of uh, uh, potential in this. And, and I was, a, I was a morning brew stand. So I was like, wow, like to create my own morning brew would be amazing. Um, and so obviously COVID hit in uh, like March of, of 2020 and my senior year pretty much got put on pause. And uh, we just saw that as an opportunity to really go like all in on this. There's going to be an obvious demand for for healthcare information and what's going on. And so we dove into that uh, and really honed in on our once a week newsletter and, and doubled down on social media. And so I was leading our Instagram, which we grew to like 10K by the time we were acquired. And so we were using we were using that as like our top of funnel. Uh, so we were posting a lot of like what you would see now is like carousels on LinkedIn, right? You see it with carousels on on Instagram with like, what is COVID-19? What is, uh, you know, what are the mask mandates? How, how is this yeah. affecting you, the, you know, your body? And, and people were sharing that all around. 
um, social media. And then when we were gaining followers, we would use like Instagram stories to basically funnel people to our newsletter and be like, if you enjoy this, like you'll enjoy our once a week newsletter. I think we brought in like over 1500 subscribers from Instagram to yeah. our newsletter. Um, so that was like a, a massive top of funnel for us, a, a big for organic growth. Um, and, and then we started to get outreach from people just wanting to help out. And so we ended up building a team of like contractors to help us write the newsletter, awesome. uh, and, and all of that, which, uh, which ended up having us kind of be like a, a pretty strong force to build this like morning brew of healthcare. Uh, and at the time I was working at capital one, I was doing like project management there, but while working from home, I had a lot of, 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 you know, free time to, to work on healthcare huddle on the side. I wasn't yeah. in an office. I was at home. I got my tasks done. I joined the meetings I needed to join. And when I had some free time and like, instead of, you know, just like chilling on my phone, I would go and work on healthcare huddle stuff. And it was addicting because you were building your own thing. And for the longest time, I really wanted to dive into media full time. Uh, and, and that's when we started to think about, should we raise money for healthcare huddle? Who's going to go full time? My brother and our co-founder were in med school. They probably weren't going to drop out for this. Um, <laughs> and so just thinking about all, all those questions. And then, um, you know, I'm happy to dive into how we ended up getting set up with work week as the year went on. Uh, basically Adam Ryan, the co-founder and CEO of work week reached out to my brother over Twitter, uh, Twitter, a great place to be, yeah. uh, to uh, just just the chat, just to hear about what we're building. And he ultimately was interested in either investing in us if we were raising or just coming on as an advisor because he saw a lot of potential in what we were doing. And that was really great validation for us, right? The past president of the hustle, yep. you know, a, a newsletter that we admired was uh, looking to partner with us. He wanted, he wanted to be a part of what we were building. And uh, so he came on as an advisor for us, which was huge. We thought that was like a massive turning point. And ultimately, yeah. Adam and and Becca Sherman, uh, co-founder and COO of Workweek, ultimately approached us like in the middle of the summer to explain this idea they had for Workweek, which was like if Bloomberg and Barstool had a baby and and they want us to join and and we're gonna we're gonna have a like a whole operations behind us to help us grow, handle all the hard stuff that we've been struggling with, like sales and growth. And, uh, and there's going to be uh, different industry creators. And we were like, wow, like, this sounds like amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we really were too morning brew focused, right? Like we were very consumery news stuff that like you would see like New York Times reporting, but we were doing so like in a fun conversational way. So we actually had to shift our strategy. Uh, and so we ended up kind of like weaning off of the team of contractors and really honing into where we were when we first started with Jared, just producing the content. So Jared and Harrison, our other co-founder kind of collaborated on that. I stuck with doing the Instagram, with doing all that uh, with our team there. Uh, and, and then we started shifting our content to be more B2B focused, right? We leaned in on, on hospitals. We leaned in on on you know new inventions going on things that like decision makers in healthcare would need to hear about, uh, and ultimately Adam and Becca were like, "You guys really transform yourselves. You, you align perfectly with what we're looking for. Let's cool. like let's move forward with it." And and the rest is history. We we signed uh, and joined the team in November of 2021, uh, and then we launched Workweek November 11th, a uh, couple days after we signed. And, awesome. and, uh, it's, you know, haven't looked back. Everything's been really great since, but yeah, that's a bit about my background. I know it was long, but I always think the story is interesting. And I ended up leaving my job at capital one, obviously. Uh, and now I'm, I'm fully in media in the creator economy and, and things seem to be moving in the right direction. 
That's really interesting. I'm curious when you guys made that shift from B2B to like focus on like decision makers, on new inventions, on what's going on. Did you guys see like an uptick in growth um, mm-hmm. when you guys made that shift? Yeah, we did. And we started to get uh, some uh, an influx of replies back that people started mm-hmm. to enjoy that the the content was being uh, focused more on these certain areas. And we also saw a drop off, which was just normal because certain folks were like, I don't understand this content, like no worries. So we, we knew that there was going to be a transition period from people who were getting like the simple breakdown of like what was going on with COVID or what was going on with, you know, psychedelics and medicine to now talking about hospitals and acquisitions or new, new product developments that physicians can use. And, and you just, obviously you're starting to build a more mature audience. So there's going to be a natural, you know, shed uh, and then we obviously partnering with Workweek started to see a growth and and like double down on obviously what we were focusing on. That's really interesting. So do you think like, let's make the shift to like, like the creator economy, because I I'm super, that's why I brought you on. Um, so you made this really shift to focus on the creator economy and like in your own words, before we get into it too much, how would you describe the creator economy in like two paragraphs or a paragraph? Ooh, uh, I think it, even in a couple of sentences, the creator economy is really just individuals who are leveraging their creative skill set um, to produce content mainly on the internet uh, and and are monetizing that creativity. Uh, I think that's like probably my, the simplest way that I could put it out there. And and I think it's important to remember creator economy doesn't just encapsulate like, like content creators that are like writing or, or filming yeah. content or recording content like we're doing now. There's also people like for like, like Roblox that are like, creating games like they are they too are part of the creator economy they're leveraging their creative skill set to um just make money on the internet and i think that that's really what it comes down to but i'd probably also throw in there like leveraging your creative skill set to build community leveraging your creative skill set to to you know promote change um Mm -hmm. i think those are all important motivators because at the end of the day you know not every creator's main motive is making money there's a yeah. lot more to it that that may be uh, a bit more intrinsic, like create, you know, building community, like promoting change. Yeah, that's how like I view my podcast is like, obviously, someday I want to make money doing this. Um, mm-hmm. But like, to me, it like still is like a creative like endeavor of like, oh, I'm doing something like creative, like I did get to create a bunch of assets, like I get to have like these fun conversations. Um, and I don't think enough people realize that like, yes, you can make a lot of money. And like, there are different ways to make money in the creator economy. But like, it really at the end of the day is just exploring your creative interests and then actually publishing it. Yeah, 100%. And you get to meet really interesting people. Yeah, uh, like I I admire creators who who have podcasts like you and like you're able to you're doing that outreach so you're learning how to like cold dm people yeah. and you're learning the processes of like making it easy for them to come on and then like researching and all that there's there's like a lot you can learn which is why creating is also like a really solid side gig to start because like you're you're gaining all these really great entrepreneurial skills uh and then obviously the hope is that you can create full time and, and fortunately the creator economy has become a thing where it's like an actual viable path where you can make money doing what you genuinely love. And that is just, you know, putting your creative skill set and curiosity uh, to use. Yeah. And that's actually a great uh, transition because I have a stat here from Linktree that said 59% of beginning creators haven't monetized their content yet. So I got to ask one, what's so hard about monetizing like your content? And then two, if someone wanted to monetize their content, what advice would you give them? Yeah, good question. I think the first bit of what 
if you're looking at like, what are the two, maybe like inevitable or like uncomfortable truths of creating? The first is that creating content is really, really hard, right? Yeah. You know, you know that from experience, it's really difficult. Uh, but what's even harder is monetizing. Yeah. And so that, that, as that stat says, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to monetize and a good portion of creators aren't monetizing. Um, and uh, it's because it's difficult. And what makes it difficult, I think, is that one, it requires you to like kind of understand how to sell. Um, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error there. We dealt with that at Healthcare Huddle when we started to sell ads and we realized how difficult it is. You, you basically need to have an attractive audience that a, an advertiser wants to get in front of. And yeah. you have to be able to sell that uh, to that advertiser. Um, and so I just think the aspect of figuring out how to sell is difficult, um, but also the consistency of it because it's very difficult and tiring. And it's like, how much time in a day do you have to actually sell and to be doing outreach? Um, and it's like, what do you want to focus on right now? Is it creating content? Do you want to devote your time to creating content or do you want to devote your time to selling? And if you split that, then obviously something is going to inevitably suffer. So your content may decrease in quality because you can't put as much time to it, or you start to move more to creating content and then you sell less or you don't sell at all because you can't really yeah. devote all your time to it. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, and then that's why you're seeing the, the rise of these companies like work week uh, or like a jelly smack uh, that are helping creators to monetize. And, and then, you know, Beehive, which is a newsletter platform, uh, creating like an ad marketplace to help connect you with brands and, and helping to facilitate that convert kit um, is helping their like top, top creators to, to sell ads and like taking that burden off their shoulders because um, creators are really good at creating. They're yeah. not always really good at the operational side of stuff, uh, which again is what, what we at work week really bring to the table is this operational expertise. So pairing with the best creators with the best operators. If I was a creator looking to monetize, how would I go about it? That's what you're asking. Yeah. That's um, why I want to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> how do I do this? <laughs> I know it is. It's very difficult. So from just what I have observed, uh, I think just like doing research yeah. uh, on how people have approached selling. I think a lot of creators have been very open about sharing their, you know, quote unquote secrets on how they've approached to make their first 10K, make their first 50K, whatever it may be. A lot of great Twitter threads out there. I'm sure there's a lot of great newsletter articles or medium yeah. articles. So I would just like look at that. Um, and it, because like we're, we're a couple years into the creator economy, there's a ton of resources for that. Um, try to find um, companies that are, are supporting um you know, facilitating the process of monetizing and streamlining the process. Uh, I, there's a company called Passion Fruit that I, I just spoke with their co-founder. Um, they're building something really cool to help um, creators monetize and like building out like a, a marketplace and they streamline everything. So just finding those platforms, it, it, being sure to look at like what the what the terms are, right? Like how much are they taking, you know? Yeah. Um, but trying to make things easier on your end. So I think it really just comes down to some research and then practicing. So like doing that cold outreach about finding a podcast sponsor. Um, you probably will get a lot of no's. Um, but from each of those no's, you then start to maybe tweak your messaging to each next person until something ultimately hits and then run with that. Try it again and just keep iterating. Um, so same idea when it's just like press, just press publish, right? Publish yeah. over perfect. Just send the email, reach out to, to the person, reach out to the company. And if it's a no, okay, as your podcast keeps growing, Ryan, you know, come back to them, be like, Hey, we've actually grown to 10 K more listeners. Right. Uh, and, and I think ultimately something will click. So it's a lot of trial and error and just getting your hands dirty.
that was actually going to, that's like my follow-up question to that is like, how early, like, do you monetize? Like, is it when you have 10,000 listeners, can you do it earlier? Or like, when's a good time where it's like, hmm, you know what? I feel like I'm going to monetize now. Is there metrics like you should look at? Right. I wish I had a better answer there as it, as it pertains to like podcasting specifically. I think what we're seeing and just what I've observed is that it really depends. Mm. Like you could immediately launch your podcast and it blows up because yeah. I don't know, you had a, 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 maybe you repurposed something to TikTok and it did really, really well and it blew up and started to get an influx of listeners. And those yep. listeners came back for another episode. I mean, you could be a month into podcasting and be like, I think I can monetize this. But I really think it depends. It also depends on your bandwidth. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Trung Fan, who um, big creator awesome. on, you know, one of Workweek creators. He, he's a creator uh, of the Not Investment Advice podcast um, with Jack Butcher. Um, I'm forgetting the the other co-host, but he was talking. He's like, we've been doing this for like uh, maybe like over a year now or something like that. And he's like, we haven't even monetized. Like we just haven't thought about it, right? Like I think some people just love the process of creating. Obviously, there's other income streams that like make it not as maybe as much of a priority to to monetize. Yeah. But I really think it just depends on what your priorities are, what your bandwidth looks like. Um, and then when you feel it's time, just like shooting your shot. Um, so I wish I had a, there was like a more of a playbook. I don't think there is. But there are some like genuinely, if you have a thousand listeners, uh, you know, per week that like you'd be in a good spot to monetize. Once you hit 10,000 newsletter subscribers, you'd be in a good place to monetize. But again, it depends on how niche the audience is. Uh, so just a couple factors come into play there that you need to, um, you know, ensure that you're thinking about. Yeah. So when you are starting something, do you want to start with like a really niche audience or does it want to be like a broad umbrella? Because that's one thing that I'm currently considering. I've been doing this for two and a half years, but like mine is like so entrepreneurship based where it's not very narrow. And it's like, maybe I should just narrow in on like creators or like narrow in on like people that are building businesses in healthcare. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's considering, should it be narrow? Should it be an umbrella? Yeah. Again, I think it depends on the platform you're creating on, but if you really want to build an audience that you can monetize, it, it's important to have a focus. And yeah. I think like this, as the saying goes, like go niche or go home. So yeah, yes. entrepreneurship may be really, really broad, but it may be a good place to start as you're just like learning where should I refine, right? Like again, just press publish. Then you like, you'll figure out your niche yep. uh, and you'll maybe start to realize like, oh, I'm really interested in, in talking to people in the creator economy, or I'm really interested in talking to um, maybe like fintech founders, yeah. then you can start to lean into that. And, and then this podcast becomes very specific towards fintech folks or people in finance it becomes very specific towards creators or operators in the creator economy. And now you have a very specific and niche audience that you can then monetize, right? You can get specific advertisers because you know, your audience when you, when you, when you're, audience is just like entrepreneurship. I mean, that could be a range of people. It could be doctors. Yeah. It could be creators. It could be baseball players, right? Like just to yeah. name a couple <laughs> professions that, could fall under entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I would say go niche. Um, definitely. Even if like you're posting on TikTok, which is like a top of funnel mass platform, oh, like, it is. you know, I love coffee and if like, I want to start to monetize with TikTok, I could start to make like coffee videos, like me creating my coffee. Right. Like, and then you maybe start to get like a, like, I don't know, Emma Chamberlain's coffee reached out to you, um, Chamberlain coffee. And they're like, Hey, we would love for you to um, like use our product and promote it and whatnot. And why it's because I have a very clear audience of coffee drinkers, um, as opposed to being the beverage guy, well, what beverages do you promote? Right. You're, you're That's promoting great. alcohol. Okay. It's like, so I think going niche is important, but it's also, you don't, 
like don't overstress on niching down when you first start creating, just start creating and it will come naturally. I was in the same boat not too long ago where I was like tweeting about startups and whatnot. And I just like honed in eventually on creator economy stuff. And, and that's where I feel comfortable and, and hope to keep digging deeper and deeper into. Yeah, that's what I really like. So everyone really like everyone that I've had on this podcast has been like some sort of like entrepreneurship realm. Um, but then I had an author on uh, Dr. Nate, Dr. Nate Zinser, like two pod- podcast episodes ago. And I was like, wow, like that was like so refreshing and like just so different from like anything I've ever done. Um, so if you're listening to this in the future and it's I'm niching in on something Tell that was that's because of Brett. Tell my future listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's what I was trying to get from that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm curious. Uh, so let's go back to like starting. Um, okay, like we have an idea. Like this is good. I I want to start creating content. Um, so like, what types of questions should people ask themselves when they are thinking about starting to make content, but don't really know where to start? Or like, I don't know what I should do. Like, what would you? What advice would you give? Yeah, that is a. Great question. I got that from Danny Miranda, by the way. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> Dan- Danny Miranda is uh, the goat. He- he's got a good head on his shoulders there. Um, I think uh, so. When you're just starting to create, I think it's important to figure out obviously what it is that you do want to create. Um, so, like, do you want to dive into podcasting? Do you want to dive into just first creating on TikTok? Yeah. Do you want to just start tweeting a little bit? Um, and, and then I think asking yourself, like one, maybe like, what are you interested in? Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, it's important for creators to be interested in what they are creating, because if you see yourself doing it for the long term, well, you better enjoy doing it. Don't just yeah. create about startups because it's something that like you see has worked for other people. If mm-hmm. you don't like, you know, writing or, or, or just producing content in general on startups, then you're going to burn out and you're going to hate what you're doing. So I think just really honing in on what are you interested in? Like, where, like, what do you find yourself searching on the internet most? What do you find yourself pausing to read about? Um, and just exploring your own curiosity. That was like, with me, I was like, I find myself always thinking about like social media and platforms and, and how creators are, are doing that. And, I don't know how creators are growing and what unique things they're doing. And I'm like, that I should just be sharing my thoughts on that. And the yeah. moment that I got that like in my mind, I felt more and more comfortable sharing about it. Right. I like I I beat that like imposter syndrome because I'm like, I enjoy this. And like whether or not people are consuming it or not, I enjoy writing about it and putting yeah. it out there. And then ultimately, people like you and other folks who have seen my content on LinkedIn and Twitter come across that. Um, and, and then from there, you can start to maybe be like, where can I expand? Right. Like you maybe have a podcast currently keep honing in on the podcast, but then you may be like, I'm going to start a newsletter now, um, or I'm going to start to repurpose the content onto YouTube and YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. And you start to expand where you're, you're distributing your content and and you reach new audiences. Um, there's an interesting thing from Alex Lieberman, uh, co-founder of morning brew. He tweeted about like five questions to build a loyal audience. I think this is also an interesting bit for what questions to ask before you start. Um, and the first one is what problem am I solving? Right. Mm -hmm. Like think about, uh, maybe there's like, uh, creators struggle to understand like how to start. So like you want to start a podcast talking to established creators or operators, you know, on those journeys, and then creators can tune in and listen to that, or even operators looking to break into the industry. Um, The second question is, is this a problem I'd enjoy solving for a long time? That goes back to what I said about is the topic that you want to write about something that you enjoy working on and figuring out. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The third question is who is the exact person I'm creating for? 
right? So we talked before, before we went live here about like who you're creating content for. And that's like 20 somethings that are interested in entrepreneurship. I mean, that's, that's like phenomenal focus there. Um, and like how to get, how to hone in on that. We tell a lot of our creators at work week when we're coaching them is like, who's the one person you're writing for? Like, yeah. I don't, like, you know, who is it? Is it Mark Cuban? Okay. It's Mark Cuban, Write Write every newsletter you're writing for Mark Cuban. And you're yeah. going to start to attract other Mark Cubans and, and you're going to ensure that your content is focused. And then that also helps us monetize it. Um, the fourth question is on what platform would this person want my content? So is it podcasting? Is it newsletters? Is it on Twitter? And then the final question is, what is the growth playbook for this platform? So you think about podcasting. What is the growth playbook? Is it repurposing onto Twitter? Is it repurposing on TikTok? Oh, you're starting out on TikTok? Okay, there's a ton of growth playbooks there. So just like honing in on that, I think those are like really five great questions. I, th I thought that was super great insight from Alex. Yeah, that's really interesting because for me, like young, like I say, like young 20 something like that's interested in like entrepreneurship. Um, but it's also like, that's, that's still at the end of the day, like still like pretty damn broad. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, that's what like I'm going through like right now, like end of the year stuff, like how do I really narrow this down more to get like my specific persona? Cause what I say, like, yeah, like, I, oh, well, that gives me an idea, but like, who really is that person? Um, and I like the point that you made, like, if you want to be Mark Cuban, write to Mark Cuban, like write to that person and you'll attract other ones. Um, so that was, that was a, one of my favorite points there. I love that. Yeah. And, and to your point about like, I'm creating for entrepreneurs and that's really broad. Like that's fine. Yeah. You, you, you'll start to hone in. Like definitely you're planting the seed. You've been doing the pod for two years now. Like you're, you're getting better and better at podcasting and like ultimately it will come. Uh, so I think just like a key takeaway in general, cause it's, it's an obvious concern from creators. Like, look, why am I not getting traction? I'm, I'm not niche enough. It's like patience. Like you will figure it out. If you know that you do need a niche down, like you're just gonna be thinking about it. And that's fine. Like start to plant the seeds, but don't rush to it. Like just keep doing your thing and you're going to start to naturally get to, to where you need to be. Hell yeah. That's the hype that I need to hear. I like that. <laughs> Let's go. Let's I, go, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about some, obviously some very successful creators um, and Mr. Beast, because he was just on the cover of Forbes, which is just super cool. Um, he made a pretty like, I don't know the whole Mr. B story. I'm ashamed to be saying that, but like he started out like just doing video games, right? And pivoted to this. Is that what he did? Or mm -hmm. can you tell us like about Mr. Beast, like what you know about Mr. Beast? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I write a lot about Mr. Beast, uh, yeah. but I think I should dive deeper in his background. I'm I'm, I'm pretty shameful uh, to admit that. But um, yeah, I, he did start out just producing content. He was just yeah. maybe video content, just video game content, just getting it out there. Uh, Colin and Samir, I know they... They're big, you know, creator economy uh, yep. creators on YouTube, almost becoming like the face of creator economy on YouTube. They started producing like, like lacrosse content. I don't it's mean to stray away from Mr. Beast, but just as another example. And then ultimately look at them, Mr. Beast niche down into, into creating like really viral, you know, crazy <laughs> content. I, I think that Mr. Beast is still very broad and he's like a unique case, but still like, look at that. He pivoted from producing video game stuff. He was just getting comfortable with creating and then yeah. the ideas come. Colin and Samir right you know lacrosse and whatnot and then also now they're producing creator economy like you could probably go to all the, like their first videos and see that but you, there's just that you just see that progression with healthcare huddle we were originally writing pretty broadly about healthcare news that me you and our grandparents could read about <laughs> then we started to niche down to writing specifically for providers for doctors and now jared who's in med school is all in on that um so i think that you 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 end up getting there the key is just to create right it's almost like when you're younger you just start playing a lot of maybe a lot of different sports and then you end up 
moving into one sport. Like, um, I found I'm really good at basketball. Um, and that's it. You just got, you just got to try, you just got to try stuff. Uh, I think Mr. Beast is a good example of that Colin Samir as well. And then pretty much any creator you see out there now at some point, maybe started a, a bit wider. Yeah. That's what I think is so cool is like, some people think like, like even some podcasts, like some of the biggest podcasts, like they even pivoted to like what they focus on or even what their name was. Does the name, I, that just brings a question. Does the name matter about like what your podcast is? Like how much does the name of like a podcast or like the, a newsletter, like really matter? Yeah. I, I have a, like a very brand background, design background. I'm, I'm always very focused on branding and how things come off from a marketing standpoint. And so I think that the name does matter. That yeah. like, if you are especially going to market yourself, what is the podcast about? Um, yeah. I think some creators are able to launch a podcast and just do their thing with it and get by with a name that maybe doesn't completely align just because they, yeah. they've gained that traction. But I think as you're, as you're starting, like choosing a name, like healthcare huddle is obviously about healthcare. Um, oh. We launched a, Yeah. We launched a couple of brands at work week. Um, you know, hospitality, that's obviously about hospitals. The wolf of franchises is obviously about franchising. From a marketing standpoint, and like if you're running paid ads or something, you definitely want maybe the name to be pretty pretty clear um, or, or pertain. I wouldn't stress over it, right? I would just get started. You could always change your name down the line. Um, but it, just think about if someone came across your podcast, just the cover of it, or if someone came across your newsletter and they saw the name, what, like what is you know what does the name yeah. mean or if not you better have a really good description or something that like i even think like morning brew what is morning brew is it a coffee brand i think that they genuinely struggled with that for a little bit but they kind of just it was at some point it was like okay we have now have a lot of equity in the name we're keeping yeah. with it people started to realize what it was because i'm sure they came across a lot like, is this a coffee brand yeah um so i do think the name matters don't lose sleep over it, but do recognize that the name of your of your content, podcast, whatever it is, is a marketing tactic because people see that username, they see that pod cover um, and and think of it almost like a thumbnail in a sense. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think about Mr. Beast actually a lot. I was like, would Mr. Beast keep his, it's a great name, but like at the same time, like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of kind of like a young yeah. one. I'm like 16 years old, like, oh, Mr. Beast. Like, that's how I definitely. Would. And I think that you, the YouTubers are interesting, like, because, well, some of them, sometimes they just, it's just like their name, right? Like, I'm Ray William Johnson or I'm Emma, Emma Chamberlain. And then people start to watch, but they, they watch it because it's Emma Chamberlain. They know who it is. But yeah, Mr. Beast, it's like, what is Mr. What is Mr. Beast? I mean, exactly. he is a beast. So he, he's, he's, he's lived up to his name. But you think you make a good point. I think sometimes it pertains more, maybe if you're launching a podcast or a newsletter. Um, or even a YouTube channel. Like if you're making a YouTube channel about content creators, maybe you want to call it something that pertains to creators yep. or you can go full-fledged. Like I launched Brett Dushevsky and Brett's the creator guy. Um, so I think uh, I think TLDR, name does matter. TLDR. Don't lose sleep over it though. Just press publish. That's something to keep <laughs> pumping. And then you know, the name will come to you. Maybe you find a better name. You're like, okay, I'm going to rebrand to this. And uh, hopefully it's not when you have a million readers and you can change the name. I love that. Um, the question that I'm thinking of, like, okay, so I press publish a bunch of, bunch of times and like, oh, like I'm not seeing traction yet. Um, what is like the hardest part of making engaging content that people want to consume? Mm. What is the hardest part of making engaging content that people want to consume? Yeah. I mean, I think in general, that's a challenge that, uh, all creators face, like, um, and then especially if they put a lot of work into content and it doesn't 
take off. I, I, I've definitely experienced that with like writing a thread on Twitter and like it just gains yeah. some traction. I'm like, damn, I thought that was going to be like a hit. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think the hardest part is, is just maybe like just, just being in the heads of, of the audience on the other side. And um, I think putting yourself in the shoes of your audience is a really great way to develop that empathy with your audience to create really good content. So um, I think that if you're a creator, kind of pause when you're consuming content in other areas and like take note on how you feel consuming when you skip through a TikTok or when you skip a tweet or when you open a newsletter and close it, why did you do that? And maybe study that like, oh, I, cause, cause they didn't have captions that were big enough, right. On the TikTok. Okay. Well, when you create a TikTok, try that out, try the captions and see, you know, if that works. So just like noticing these nuances, I always do that. Like when I see a tweet thread and I skip it, I'm like, it's just, the hook wasn't good enough. So when I go to make a tweet, I try really hard to nail down the hook. Um, so I think the hardest thing is just developing that empathy for who's consuming it on the other side. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes creators can be like, really in their own space a lot, like producing in a vacuum. And they think that because they dove into a rabbit hole on a topic that everyone else is interested in it, but they just, they're just not. Uh, and so I think just maybe sometimes separating yourself from your content to give it a little refresh helps you create more engaging content. Um, but also just taking note at how you consume, because if you're a good creator, you're likely a good consumer. Yeah. Um, and so take note of that. Like, for example, Mr. B's like studied thumbnails and whatnot. So he studied maybe what would drive the most engagement, I'm not saying you need to be as crazy as him, but do just take note on how you respond to your own content consumption. Um, so I don't know if that completely answers the question, but uh, I think it could definitely help out with figuring out what will be engaging content. Like, oh, this is going to be a banger. And then it's not a banger. That's like the biggest like ego check, like shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've like seen people like post that on Twitter. Like, okay, I thought it was going to be a banger and it just wasn't like, it's like, damn. Um, but yeah, you just got to pick yourself back up. It's like having a bad game oh, yeah. um, or even reposting that content later down the line. And, and you realize maybe it was a timing thing. Um, like I posted this over Christmas. Everyone was, was kind of like low key, but then I posted it, you know, in February and it popped off. You start to see that or your, your audience changes. So just a lot of trial and error, another theme of this conversation. That's uh, that's actually one funny comment because um, I'm starting to get into TikTok now. Like I was like just repurposing my podcast, but I was like, okay, that's just like too like pitch slappy. Like I need to actually like create like better engaging content. So I like created a content about like Jewel, like a story about Jewel and like how um, Altria like paid like $2 billion um, for cash bonuses for Jewel yeah, and yeah. then long story short but that actually ended up getting about like three thousand views on tiktok i was like hell yeah like i hit a thread like i know what to publish now and then i just published one about like amazon and the minions and how like the minions changed how amazon operates because of like a faulty thing um check out the tiktoks if you're listening uh yeah. <laughs> but i got like 300 views i was like damn it like i really thought i had something here but it is picking yourself up and it, it really is trial and error in the creator economy <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's why creating is difficult. And there's a lot of, a lot of mental, mental obstacles you have to get over. Um, so as a creator manager and at work week, like just trying really hard to work with the creators who do feel that sense of like, why did that not pop off? I'm feeling burnt out and whatnot. There's a lot of challenges that go just beyond creating content. There's also the challenges of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, you know, paying, maybe getting too, too, uh, paying too much attention to the numbers, yeah. you know, 
but numbers are important because it, it helps you maybe like leverage data. But if like every time you see a 300 views and all that, it's like getting down and comparing it to that top video is tough. There's an anecdote from Mr. Beast. Um, he launched the uh, Squid Games video, I think yeah. it was. And it's like one of his most popular videos. It like performed so well. And Reed, his manager, I think was saying that like after that, Mr. Beast was like, I, I, I can't, I can't create like the next thing. It's just, nothing's going to be as good as that one. And I think he's, he started to actually, his cadence like dropped a little bit um, because he thought that like, I need the next video to be yeah. even better than this. But the, the reality is you're going to have pieces of content that pop off. You're going to have those, you know, headline pieces. And then you're going to have ones that, that don't, um, you know, no different than an artist having a hit song and his their other songs aren't as good. You just got to keep creating. And the more you put out there, the more you increase your chances of luck um, of something, you know, reaching the right people and, and, and gaining that virality. I love that. Press, publish. That's all you need Press, to know. <laughs> um, we are running down on time here. Uh, I do want to ask one more question. So this is actually like, it's not really a question. It's more of a take. It's more of a, maybe a hot take, but I was thinking of it like two weeks ago after you posted something about YouTube, like it's quickly becoming one of the most popular po podcasting channels. So here's my take. No data to back this up. Didn't look it up. But I think in about 20 to like 25-ish years, I think we are going to make the sh shift from like TV consumption to like YouTube consumption as like a family. So instead of watching like Yellowstone together, like we're going to like go watch a creator on like YouTube instead of watching like a TV series. What do you think of that take? <laughs> I'll yeah. just go that. <laughs> no, I, th I think it's I think it's a great take. I I, I Truly, I think your timeline is is too long. I think that we're even, we're already experiencing that. Yeah. That you're actually starting to see people choose to watch YouTube uh, over Netflix. I am I am one who did this weekend. <laughs> I literally spent uh, Saturday instead of watching a show, I was watching YouTube stuff. Uh, I was watching like interviews and whatnot. Like that's what I was consuming. Also, you're starting to see people consume TikTok on TVs as a family. They were scrolling through TikTok on TV, uh, and so. Yeah. So it's interesting that Netflix, you know, formerly mentioned that like TikTok is a competitor. We're competing for eyeballs. We're competing for attention. And that's what's happening. But you're so right that um, you don't always need some overly produced, you know, picture to, to ultimately capture eyeballs. If yeah. you are a personality and you are having good conversation or is producing genuinely good content that's relatable or interesting or entertaining, educational, yeah. you're, you're going to attract an audience. And, and that's what's made YouTube really popular is because it's very intimate. Um, and then TikTok as well is also into, uh, pretty, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, like you're on a FaceTime sometimes, but also the content's pretty raw. Like the high edited videos on TikTok are kind of trash and like, you just, yeah. you just want raw stuff. So I think your take is, is pretty spot on. Um, and I think that like more and more, we're going to see um, YouTube become much like even more popular than than uh, all the streaming services for for people to consume content, uh, especially for children and and younger kids who uh, who are spending a lot of time on YouTube. Um, like Netflix is not the behemoth, the indestructible behemoth that we once thought. Um, yeah. A lot of other content has come in, and, and humans are looking for uh different ways to consume and engage with audiences and engage with their favorite creators yeah i always like someone once said like if you're trying to find trends like look what like 10 year olds are doing like because soon they'll be 20 30 and they'll be leading the way um so exactly. that was what i had 
I don't want to end it on my take, though. I don't want to take the floor. I want to give you the floor, Brett. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you, connect with you? This was a great, great conversation about content creation. I learned a ton about this. This was like a consulting call for me. But uh, if you want to reach out to you, where can they find you on Twitter, LinkedIn, anywhere? Please plug it all. You're awesome. Yeah. Ryan, I will, I'll send my bill afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan, this is awesome. I'm, I always enjoy talking about this. I feel like I've had this like pent up and just like ready to talk. So I appreciate all the thoughtful <laughs> questions and, and having me on. Yeah. Uh, if you want to stay connected and just see more creator economy content, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brett dash underscore. And then I'm also on LinkedIn, Brett Dushevsky, Uh, And those are pretty much the two the two mediums for me. Uh, and then check out what we're building at Workweek. We have a, a ton of newsletters um, with a bunch of different creators. You'll you'll definitely not miss us on social media, on LinkedIn and Twitter. We have our yellow background. So yep. you'll probably know we're Workweekers. Um, but Ryan, really appreciate the conversation. Uh, looking forward to staying in touch and listening to this uh, once it's live. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to block your Twitter and LinkedIn so you don't bill me, but that's a whole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs>